Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Forts Athletics podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferna. We're at Forts Athletics. We focus on coaching the high school, collegiate, and post-collegiate throwers with the specialty in the shot put, discus, weight throw, and hammer, and the occasional javelin competitor. And today, on today's episode, uh, I'm going to spend some time um, piggybacking off of our uh, last episode where we talked about coaches as experts and uh, what that really means if you really need to have a lot of background and technical knowledge and expertise in the specific sport that you might be coaching. Uh, so the examples that I talked about in our last episode was uh, Coach John Crawford and Coach Adarian Barr at SUNY Fredonia where they did not have the technical playing experience of uh, participating in swimming and diving and throwing, uh, but they were able to coach and mentor and guide uh, all American and national champion competitors in those respective sports without having the the playing experience or the competitive experience background. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, um, after I read uh, the paragraph in uh, John Whitmore's book, uh, I took to Twitter and I posted a poll. Um, that said, when choosing a coach to work with in weightlifting or throwing, what trait is most important to you? And I gave four choices or four options. Uh, the first one was years of coaching experience. Uh, the second one was past athlete successes. The third option was competitive experience. And then the fourth option was other. And uh, I ran that poll for a week. I got 68 votes. Uh, and I was really interested in in the weightlifting and throwing because that's where um, my specialties are, uh, coaching uh, Olympic weightlifters and, and programming for weightlifting and powerlifting, and of course throwing, which um, which part of the throwing program is also um, you know weightlifting uh, things that you're doing there, the training outside of being in the circle. And what struck me as interesting uh, with the poll results, and thank you everybody who participated. If you're listening to this. Uh, podcast episode here. Um, what struck me as interesting was that the number one uh, result was past athlete successes at 51%. So we had 64 votes. Uh, so 35 votes uh, were for past athlete successes. Um, years of coaching experience, total years of coaching experience was 13%. Competitive experience, so coaches' competitive experience uh, was 12%. Um, and then other was 24%. So past athlete successes. And uh, it's something interesting that uh, a couple of my friends uh, tweeted out to me uh, after the poll was done uh, that I didn't really define what past athlete successes were. I mean, it's just a, a Twitter poll. It's pretty pretty simple, but not uh, you're not able to uh, elaborate as much on your options. So past athlete successes... Uh, to me, and I don't want this to sound like we're taking the easy way out, but I'll give an example where it's a little bit more concrete. Uh, I think that's going to vary based on athlete to athlete. So past athlete successes, if you're at the Division three level uh, like I am, um, more often than not, um, you're not going to have an athlete, let's say, that's going to be able to continue on at the post-collegiate level at a very high level. So we have had one athlete, Luis Rivera, uh, who's been very successful uh, this past season as a po- his first year post-collegiate. Um, Lewis uh, had a PR of um, 
22 meters and the weight throw 2201 uh, which was about a meter and a half pr over his personal best as a college senior when he won the 2016 indoor national championship and uh, over 63 meter PR or 63 meter throw in the hammer, which was uh, about a five meter PR, uh, four and a half meter PR uh, from his uh, senior season. So if we're looking at past athlete successes in those regards, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Uh, there's only one national champion a year, um, and it's not too often that uh, a coach might might get somebody like Lewis who never competed in track and field in, in high school. Uh, who just walked on campus and uh, we'll interview him and he'll be able to share his story a little bit better uh, than I can elaborate. Uh, But he really, he never competed in in high school. He played football, so he may have had that football mentality. Um, And he ended up winning a national championship and being a four-time All-American. So at the Division III level, that might be more uh, frequent or that might happen more often than let's say at uh, the Division II or Division I level. Now I can I can think of a couple athletes at the Division II level who went to specific colleges uh, and excelled in sport and throwing, uh, where they weren't recruited to play those specific sports. And hopefully we'll be able to interview those athletes on this podcast. So I won't go into too much more information about that. Um, and then at the Division One level, um, you know I'm not really sure anybody who's listening to this podcast after. After we're done and it and it goes live in a couple of weeks, you know, hopefully somebody might be able to to post something on Twitter uh, as being an example of an athlete who may have just showed up or was a walk on at the Division One level and ended up having uh, a pretty successful career. I just can't uh, think of anybody right now off the top of my head, and that's not really what I want this uh, particular episode. Uh, to be about. So when we're looking at past athlete successes, if we're going to look at uh, a Division three program, let's say, uh, for most Division three, well, I don't, I don't want to say most Division three. Let's say some Division three programs, um, the the definition, definition of success might be for the athletes to participate in the conference championship. So uh, at our um, conference championship, the Empire 8, uh, there aren't qualifying standards. So really, any athlete who has at least a mark or has competed in a race or has long jumped or triple jumped or high jumped or, or what have you, uh, as long as they have a mark, they're able to to compete at the conference championship. Uh, if they were injured or if they didn't have a mark, they can be wild carded in, but, don't, but teams are limited to two wild cards uh, per gender. So really, at at our conference level, um, you know, for some teams, it might be just a success to make it through the season uh, and have a couple athletes compete at the conference championship where, um, you know, expectations might be as high. But again, that's a conversation to have with with every uh, individual coach. So I'm just going to try and speak from my perspective uh, for this episode, and hopefully we'll be able to get more coaches on who are able to speak to how they define their successes. But from an athlete uh, looking in, you know, there's there's a lot of programs at the Division three level. You know, take any of the Division three schools in Wisconsin, Wisconsin Oshkosh, Lacrosse, where they perennial, perennially have great uh, throwing programs. Uh, they're always competing for a national championship. Um, you look at uh, at the Division three level uh, more in the Northeast, uh, SUNY Brockport. Uh, they perennially have uh, all Americans in the shot put. Uh, this year they had All-American in the men's and women's shot put. 
Um, so there, there are certain powerhouse uh, conference or powerhouse programs where the definition of success might be a little different, where the expectations might be a little higher. But that's going to be for for the athletes uh, from the outside looking in. You know what they're interested in, what's their definition of success, or how they define it. For some programs, definition of success might be you're going to graduate from college. Um, when I was at SUNY Fredonia, and I know I'm reverting back a lot, but uh, in my time as an undergrad, I had a lot of teammates that uh, didn't end up graduating. Uh, they were on the team for a semester or three semesters or five semesters, and then they, they wouldn't come back uh, for grades or for whatever whatever other purposes. So the graduation from high school or from college, excuse me, yeah, that could be a big deal. So that could be an athlete success or past athlete successes. What's your graduation rate? Um, uh, also, it might be, you know, what's your, what's your uh, conference championships uh, like? So, for example, you know, how many conference championships has the team won as a whole? So, it, so it's going to vary uh, from athlete to athlete on what your past athlete successes uh, are. Same thing in weightlifting. Um, you know, if you have, if you're a coach who, let's say, has been coaching for only, five or ten years for example uh but every year you have athletes competing at the um junior nationals and and youth nationals let to some people that could be very successful like you're putting athletes uh on the competitive stage at, at a national championship meet so that might be considered successful or other people might be like you know that might not be good enough because there's so many athletes that compete there how many athletes have you put on uh, international teams for the United States? So how many how many athletes have you had win youth nationals or win junior nationals or win um, the American Open or win um, the Olympic trials? Uh, I know that that's getting a little too you know out there as far as expectations, but it's really going to vary from people to people. Um, but I'll get back to Lewis as an example. Uh, his goal was to win nationals his senior year. So, so when we looked at our plan, you know, we, we kind of came to the realization that, um, you know, we didn't want to put a specific number on it and say, let's say, you know, we're going to throw 1950 and hope for the best. Well, if you don't throw 1950 at nationals and somebody throws 1951, you know, was your season, a uh, a success or not? So if you're, if you're looking, if you're putting a, a distance or a time, to your um, your success level or how you're defining success, you know you might be disappointed then, as opposed to well, I want to be an all-American. So once I get to nationals, I know I only have to beat eight people, and I'm going to be an all-American. Or if I make the finals and I have a pretty good performance, there's a really good chance that I'm going to be an all-American because the top uh, eight athletes out of nine who make the finals at, at nationals are going to be all-American. So it depends on how you're going to define that. If you're going to put a specific distance or performance to it, um, or if you're going to put um, just a place, for example, like I'm going to be a national champion. Okay, well, uh, you might not necessarily have to PR at nationals to to win, and would that be okay? Now, I would I would think that most athletes would say yes. I would I'd rather take the national championship than PR by a meter and not win. I don't know how often that might uh, might happen, uh, but you, but you never know. Um, this past week had an athlete 
uh, high school athlete Monique Hardy. She is going to be a sophomore at Webster Thomas High School. Uh, this was her first season competing um, at the varsity level. Uh, indoor, she threw the weight 48 feet, was the number one ranked freshman weight thrower in the country for girls. Uh, and she threw the hammer at the Junior Olympic meet uh, 47 meters, which she PR'd by uh, over five feet from two weeks ago at our regional qualifier meet where she threw just a little over 46 meters. Um, and this over the course of the week, we spent a lot of time, well, the last couple of weeks, we spent a lot of time talking about it. And I wanted to make sure that we did discuss the po- the potential, um, not hazards, but what what were our expectations or what were her expectations. Uh, so we didn't really put a, a number to um, the performance that we wanted. We really tried to uh, put together a plan that let's make finals. And if we make the finals, then uh, there'll be a good chance that you have an opportunity to finish in the top three, just based on her age group. Moni competed in the 15, 16 age group, and she is 15 years old. So she's still technically considered a freshman. And we talked about, you know, if you want to throw 50 meters at the meet, you might not win necessarily because there's there could be other people that throw over 50 meters. So, or I'm sorry, 50 meters. Yep. So, is it okay if you throw 50 meters, but let's say you finish fifth or sixth? We're at that level. That might not happen very often, especially since the meet championship record going in was just a hair over 50 meters. Um, or you know, let's try and finish in the top three and not worry about our distance. Let's not worry about how far we throw. Uh, let's make sure that we try and get on. Uh, the podium and we're an all-american so uh some people that i talked to before i had this conversation with monique uh thought that that might not be a good idea to talk to some to talk to an athlete like that especially someone as young as her Uh, but she has a pretty good competitive experience at um, big competitions like i said she finished third at new balance indoor nationals with a throw of 48 feet which was a pr Um, And in her second hammer meet of her career, she threw 46 meters, which uh, that throw, uh, I believe, would have placed her either first or second at our conference meet at the Division III level. Uh, So there really weren't concerns about making finals or finishing in the top five, you know, bearing, uh, you know, that somebody fouls out. Um, So we, we tried to put together a plan so that's where um our past athlete successes that's where it comes in you know it's, it's difficult to gauge from the outside looking in unless an athlete is going to talk to their talk to the coach and, and ask them you know how do you define your past athlete successes um you know one of the ways that i define it is not so much on graduation rates but what you do after you graduate so i've i've had the pleasure of coaching athletes who are c- teachers uh, middle school and high school teachers, uh, other coaches at the Division II level, uh, principal, uh, somebody who is a physical therapist that I coached at NAS. So she's a doctor. So she's the first doctor that I coached. Uh, graphics, graphic um, artists, digital artists, uh, business majors. So that's really how one of the ways that I view the success is also that I hopefully provide some value to these athletes that I had an, that I had an opportunity to coach, um, that they may have taken something not just at, at the coaching, but maybe you know some of the life skills or some life stories or 
some other advice that's not necessarily based on, um, you know, can you just throw a shot put really far? But, you know, let's really talk about your future. You know, what are your goals? What are your dreams? Um, you know, let's put a plan together in place besides just trying to throw. For 99% of the athletes at the Division three level, I don't think most of them go on to compete at the post-collegiate level at a ver- very um, competitive level, let's say, like for, for Lewis. But Lewis is one of those uh, rare athletes where, um, you know, he's taken to the to the throwing events really well. Um, so besides the past athlete successes, uh, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about with this poll was, you know, the category of other. Now, uh, I didn't want to put too many different options out there because I didn't want to kind of water it down a little bit. But I'm really, I'm really um, intrigued by that, that 25% of the people said there's other uh, more important traits than years of coaching experience, past athlete successes, and competitive experience. And I think that's where the the personality the the coach at real the coach athlete relationship skill building might come into play and that's really where I want to take this podcast the direction of it is to really dig deeper into looking at what are the other things that athletes are looking for what are the other things that athletes are interested in when they're making a decision to to go to a college or to hire a coach or you know join a specific gym um, where I live here in Western New York there aren't very many opportunities for uh, youth athletes, let's say, to compete um, in Olympic uh, Olympic weightlifting meets. Uh, there's a couple in the area. You know, every every once in a while, there might be you know three or four, uh, half a dozen uh, competitive meets uh, that come by. But uh, there really aren't that many other gyms that uh, cater just to. Uh, Olympic weightlifting. There's a lot of CrossFit gyms. There's a lot of boxes like that. There's a lot of uh, um, strength and conditioning uh, people in the community, which is great. Uh, the kids and the parents, especially, have opportunities to kind of you know figure out where they want to train and and who they want to select as their coaches. And I'm really interested in learning more more about you know what what is it about specific coaches? Is it because you know, it's the only person in the community, so they're going to go there. Or, you know, if there's athletes that travel 45 minutes to an hour one way for a 45-minute training session with somebody and then drive back, you know, it's a big investment for a 17 or 18-year-old, uh, a three-hour commitment per day, let's say, uh, if they're going to drive an hour, train for an hour, and then drive home for an hour, uh, you, you know, you're looking at an eighth of, of your day. So what? So what is it? What are we looking for as as athletes? You know what? What other personality traits? Uh, is if the coach is good natured? Uh, if the coach, you know, what type of coaching style they have, or if it's more democratic? Uh, if they provide a lot of autom- autonomy to the athletes, where um, if we're planning out, let's say, a twelve week block for powerlifting or an Olympic weightlifting competition, you know, how much say does the athlete have? You know, is there that type of open dialogue that's involved with it? Or is it the coach says, here you go, this is your 12-week program, you know, four or five training sessions a week, and we're going to taper, and then we're going to go to the championship meet. Uh, if you have any questions, let me know. Um, you know, are, do people prefer that as opposed to going someplace and being in the in a more caring and nurturing environment, and I know I bring it back to that, and it sounds kind of childish, but you know, for some people, that's what they might be interested in. 
you know, are, are they in a program where there's a nice support system, that there's other athletes that are the same age, that play similar sports, that are from the same community or maybe different community uh, that they're interested in um, training with. So I'll leave us with, with that thought of, you know, as we move forward with this podcast and we start interviewing more coaches and we start getting down to, you know, how, how they, they build buy-in and how they build a culture and how they establish a culture and how they define their culture and their coaching philosophy with their programs. Now, hopefully we'll be able to get a little bit more insight into that. Um, I am not an expert in it. I have a few years of coaching experience at the Division three level. Uh, I've never coached uh, a team sport before, um, soccer, baseball, you know, football, basketball, field hockey, lacrosse, things of that nature. Uh, I've always coached track where at the individual level, you know, it, it might be sometimes for some coaches, it might be a little bit more difficult or it might be easier depending on um, the skill set or the sport or, you know, whatever other factors might be involved with, you know, how we define our success and what our athletes might be interested in when they contact us either via social media or they walk in our door and say, hey, I want you to coach me because blank. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to episode four. My name is Charles Inferna, and have a great day.